welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy Podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I'm super excited that you're here. Every week on the Happy Hour, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. I want to first thank our sponsor for the show, Jelly Telly. Jelly Telly is the only streaming video app that is designed specifically for kids where God is real and His Word is true. This app, Jelly Telly, is co-developed with the VeggieTales creator. You guys remember VeggieTales? My kids loved them. Moms, you know that your kids are streaming stuff, and why not give them something that is safe, affirming videos about who God is? There are movies for kids about God, the Bible, and faith. Jelly Telly is a great way for parents and kids to spend time together watching and learning and then talking together about Jesus and their faith. This is giving you a great way to talk to your kids about God. This is available. This app is available on iOS, Android, and Kindle. Popular shows on this app include VeggieTales, Hillsong Kids, The Jesus Storybook Bible, and many, many more. Guys, this is entertainment that you can trust, and these are shows that your kids are going to love. And what more do we want as parents? Visit jellytelly.com today and use a special coupon code of happy hour, which is just for you guys that are listening, and you're going to get $5 off or your first month of Jelly Telly free. Guys, today my guest is Elise Fitzpatrick, and I'm a fan of Elise. I'm a fan of her family. Her daughter, Jessica Thompson, has been on before. This is Elise's first time on the happy hour. Elise has authored 22 books on Christian living. She's a frequent speaker at women's conferences. She's been married for over 40 years. She has three adult children and six grandchildren. And this is what I love about her. She defines her ministry with these three phrases. No fluff, no bricks, just the good news of a crucified and risen Christ. I love her. We have such a great conversation today about parenting and unpacking how we deal with our own imperfections while parenting little ones. If you're a mama, you're going to love it. If you're going to be a mama someday, you're going to love it. If you've already mommed your kids, you're going to love it. You really are going to get something out of this, guys. Before we get to my conversation with Elise, I want to make sure you guys are following me on Instagram. It's my favorite social media. I love to hang out there and share stuff about the show. I also share stuff about my family and my kids and what we're doing, everything my husband's cooking. Um, Follow me there so you don't miss out. You can find me over at Jamie Ivy. It's just at Jamie Ivy. Just hit the follow button and I'll be so happy that we'll be friends and I think you're going to enjoy it. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Elise Fitzpatrick. Uh, well, you know, one of my kids, we live in Austin, Texas, and allergies are just killing. I don't really get affected Everybody. from it, that, right, but right. my husband and my son, like, really die from them. And so I decided finally he has suffered. He's 12. He suffered for 12 years of allergies. I should be mm. a good mom and get him tested and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah. we're having allergy tests done in a couple of days. Well, before you have your allergy testing done, you have to get off all your yes. antihistamine. So he's ba- basically they want you to come in just miserable, like the worst you could ever feel. So that's how he is right now, but it's escalated since we got this cat. Oh, of course. Yes. And so I'm, and my husband's allergic. And so I'm like, dude, I think that you're allergic. And he's the one that wanted the cat. It's his cat. Uh, So I know this is just our drama. And why is it that this is happening? We moved to the country and we think we need cats to get our mice, which I'm happy for that. And in a couple of weeks, they'll, they'll be less of my responsibility. Well, you're hoping. I'm yes. hoping. I, I'm right there with you, Jamie. I'm going to believe that for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Well, Elise. Um, yeah. T- everyone, we just kind of jumped in, and that's my favorite way to do the happy hour. Um, give everybody just a small snippet of who you are. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I live in Southern California. Which is like or- heaven. Uh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. it is. Exactly. And I mean, you, I, actually, I live in San Diego, mm. which is like the heaven mm. of heaven. It's exactly. like the third heaven. Yep. 
So, you know, you got Los Angeles, which is meh, sort of heaven. Mm -hmm. And then you have Orange County, which is closer. But then you have San Diego. So San Diego is like the third heaven. Mm. It's like the perfect, perfect weather. Although, I have to say, that doesn't stop us from complaining. What would you complain about in San Diego? (laughs) Well, you say... Eh, it's uh, 73 today <laughs> and it's cloudy. I don't like it. That's what mm, you complain about. Yeah. And totally. us here in Texas are like, yeah, we complain it's 117, you know? Yeah. 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 I get, I, yes, I totally get that. So, uh, San Diego is perfect and that's where I've lived. So I've been a Southern California girl my whole life. I was, um, not raised in a Christian home. My mom was a non-practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. And my father, who was out of the home fairly early on, was a non-practicing Jew. Okay. And uh, so we didn't go to church a lot, but my grandmother would take me to the Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And so I went there and was baptized, which I have a really embarrassing story about my baptism at the Lutheran church. Okay, well, let's start with it. What happened? <laughs> well, I was about five, uh-huh. you know. And my mom dresses me all up in my little five-year-old girl dress and with my little patent leather, brand new patent leather shoes. Uh So, you know, I mean, it's in front of the whole church. So you got to walk up these marble stairs to the baptismal font where I'm baptized. And then I'm walking, I'm supposed to walk back down and go to my mom. um, But instead, I fall down the stairs. Oh, no. Yeah, I did. And I mean, that's 60 years ago. (laughs) And I still remember it. I'm sure. In front of the entire church. In front of the, you know, in the little girl dress flying and the whole deal. Yeah, it was brilliant. And and actually, I've sort of had this phobia about stairs now. I'm freaked out. I wonder why, yeah. I don't know. Uh So, um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I'd sort of not really very religiously trained as a child Mm -hmm. and then um was married and divorced before i was 20 Mm. and had a baby and uh, young mom yeah well i got pregnant when i was 17 okay Mm -hmm. so there you go yeah and um yeah then the lord saved me Mm -hmm. when i was 21 which was like really shocking (laughs) to everybody Uh (laughs) uh-huh And uh, and then after that, uh, I ended up in Bible college, and that's where I met my husband, Phil. And we've been married for 42 years, mm-hmm. 40 years. I don't know, some amount somewhere. of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere, which basically I always say that proves that there is a God. <laughs> <laughs> not, not from his point, because like Phil is like the kindest person on the planet. But that he's... But you and him for 42 years? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's like me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. so anyway, the Lord hung on to me. And then, you know, got a got a degree in biblical counseling and wrote some books. You wrote That's a lot me. of books. And you have, so you have three kids. I do. I have three kids. I don't know how old they are, but they're all three married. <laughs> and then I have six grandkids, and I can tell you how old they are. Of course. Because they, you know, they're the ones that matter yeah. after all. And we heard your daughter, Jessica, at the beginning, and she, I love her dearly. Yes. And she's been yes. on the show, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, and so she's how I know you. 
although this is our our first time to chat. Um, And so thank you for sharing your story. That's so wonderful. Sure. I feel like I was just, I listened to y'all's podcast. Okay. So you, (laughs) I want to hear how this started as well. I'm sorry. No, no, because (laughs) I have been looking forward to talking to you because I wish I could write down all of the funny things that I want to ask you about on your show. (laughs) So here's a question I can ask you real quick. So I was listening to your show to y'all show um, on the way home from getting the cat litter. Oh. And um, oh. I, I don't know if it's the most recent one, but you told a joke and literally I was racing to get to the interview that I wanted to hear it, but I turned my car off before it finished. So do you remember the joke you told? And if I ask you, will you finish it? If you ask me, I may be able to finish it. Okay. You said, what are the chances that if you prank <gasps> oh, call someone? Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. I didn't hear the answer. So give me the whole thing. Okay, so if you call someone and just say, God bless you, what are the odds that that person just sneezed? Okay? Okay. And there is an actual scientific answer to this. This is not a joke. No, it's not even a joke. Okay. It's just this. There's a book called What If, uh-huh. which is all about these really crazy hypotheticals. So the one hypothetical was if you call... And say, God bless you. How many, how many times do you have to dial the phone until the odds are you're going to reach somebody who just sneezed? And the answer to the question is one time in every 40,000 phone calls. Okay. That's <laughs> so, a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of phone calls and it's just ridiculous trivia. But this book is really fun just to read because uh, the dude that wrote it, I think he's a physicist uh-huh. and, and he's kind of twisted. And so he uh, he writes all of these strange hypotheticals, like what would happen to a batter at home plate if he tried to hit a ball that was traveling at 90% of the speed of light? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's basically the sorts of questions that he asks. And then he has all these really cool scientific answers to them. So the book is called What If, and I can't even tell you who wrote it right you now, know, but if you look it up. My oldest son would love that. He yeah, loves yeah. like trivia, kind of things that are just you don't really need to know that in life. Right. He right. loves that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's hilarious. So your podcast. I, yes. I crack up, and I text Jessica all the time. Um because when y'all started it, I was kind of like, okay, I wonder what's the, what kind of path are they going to take? What's the show going to be like? Um, and I think that your show is one that once people start listening, they, they get to know your personality so much that every week they, it's like, y'all have these inside joke moments that you let us in on. (laughs) And I just die laughing. I mean, your son and Jessica together, crack me up. Yes. I yes. always picture you just sitting there like this, like matriarch of the family, kind right. of just like, kind of like letting them do their thing. And then you just jump in every once in a while. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's really how it works with your family <laughs> dynamics, um, but I love y'all show. Oh, thank you. You know, the deal is that the two of them, Jessica and Joel, and also their brother James, mm-hmm. when the three of them get together, it is that it's running commentary and comedy the entire time. Now, the deal is I pretty much stay out of it because if you, (laughs) if you wade into that water a Uh little bit, uh then they're going to smell blood. That's exactly, and you can tell because every once in a while you get in 
Yeah. And then if you do something wrong or say them, they yeah. just pounce yeah. on you. Yes. And it yeah. makes, it's comedy for us. Yes. At yeah. your expense. Yeah, at my expense. Yes. And so, you know, basically, I mean, I might drop something here and there to get them going in mm-hmm. a certain direction, mm-hmm. but... No, I stay completely out of it. And it is the three of them. They are piranha in the water. And they'll just eat alive anything that they find. And I feel really sorry for their spouses. <laughs> <laughs> because generally, they're, well, Jessica's husband, Cody, he'll just go sit in the other room and watch football or right. something. Because uh-huh. he's not having any part of it. But... Uh, James's wife, Michelle, she'll, she'll try every now and then to jump in and then she jumps right back out again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Ruth, who is Joel's wife, Ruth will, she'll try to jump in. One time we were driving along in the car with them. I think we were in New York or something. And Ruth made this statement. She said, I'm getting funnier air. Every day, every day I'm getting funnier. And we almost had to pull off the road because we were all laughing so hard. <laughs> because, you know, Ruth Ruth tries to get in there and interact, but, it you know, they go at the speed of light oh. and I can't keep up. So. It is so funny. And then I think I just nearly died one time. They were recording a podcast and you weren't there. Yeah. But they kept referring to, Mom, what do you think? And then it was just <laughs> silence. And right. that just did me in. I mean, it was yes. just the funniest thing ever. Yes. But also y'all show, I mean, one thing I really love about it, I I love the comedy for sure. It's a really great spot in my day. Um, But what you guys all do so well is it's not just a show to make me laugh, um, but there's always this kind of, um, I use the word devotional because I can't think Mm -hmm. of anything else, but you know what I mean. There's this moment at the end where y'all each take turns of just bringing something from the word of God and kind of unpacking it for us as the listener. And I'm always, always um, learning and encouraged and inspired by what you guys are saying at the end. So love that part as well. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, the podcast was really Jessica's idea and she said, you know, we're so funny. We should tell everybody how funny we are. (laughs) And then we thought, well, we can't just be silly. We, we Mm. need to, yeah. yeah, And we know that we have between us a a very unique sort of message about the gospel Mm -hmm. and about what Jesus has already done. And so we want to make sure we get that in there every now and then. So wonderful. You know, I've told the story before about when I wanted to start a podcast. I'd been in radio a couple of years before and, and decided, I think I want to do a podcast. And so I come to my husband. I'm like, I have an idea. I want to do a podcast that is, um, it just makes women laugh and is really funny and it's just fun. And he's like, um, okay, I think that that show has no purpose. I'm like, well, sure it does. It's funny and fun <laughs> and women chatting. And he was like, since when do we do stuff in our life with no purpose? Like no pointing people to the gospel, no Jesus. And I was really mad. I was like, why are you raining my parade? Like this is what I want to do. And then, of course, a couple hours later, I was like, you know what? I think you're right. And so I appreciate shows that aren't quote unquote churchy, but they still have a purpose in the gospel and Jesus. And so kudos to you guys for doing that well. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I try to do as well. So, okay. So you have these kids. Um, you written, did you tell me 22 books? Yes. Which is just crazy. Yeah, what, was, it is. what was your first book? Um, well, the first book that was actually published, there was a book before it that wasn't actually published, but there was a, the first book that was published was Women Helping Women, uh, which was a biblical guide to the major issues women face. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a book I 
I co-authored and co-edited with a woman whose name is Carol Cornish. And um, that was a book that really came out of my training in biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to get information to women who were trying to help other women um, with the Bible, you know, just like trying to get that to them. Yeah. Do you feel, I'm just always curious. I want to talk a lot about that, what you just said, but Uh I also am curious, 22 books later, do you look back on some of your writing and think, I don't want to ask if you think it's bad or not, because hopefully we're all evolving, right? (laughs) But do you look back on some of it and go, I think I would say that differently now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I often wonder that about people who have such a long career in writing, especially in like biblical counseling or, you know, um, faith stuff. I wonder if, because I feel like my faith has evolved and grown and changed over, you know, just a handful of years. Have you felt that way about anything you've written and stuff? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I mean, I look back at the stuff that we wrote in Women Helping Women, and there's uh, stuff I would not at all have said, and other stuff I wouldn't have said the way I did. Mm -hmm. One of the first books that came out, I think maybe it was like my third or fourth book, was entitled Idols of the Heart. Mm -hmm. And that book, um, I actually just did a rewrite on and a re-release. So that's been out for 15 years. And so we did a rewrite on it. And I was glad there was a lot of good stuff in it. Um, a lot of stuff that was good, but I wouldn't have, I didn't want to say it the way I said it. Oh. And then other stuff that really needed to be changed. So yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that my understanding of the Bible, of Christianity has changed over the years. I mean, yeah, I I hope. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you too. That, that was when I thought about that when I saw that you written 22 books. I was like, I wonder if that. So with the re-release, is that your most recent book? The re-release of that? The re-release is the most recent book. I've got another book coming out in August, but the book that's out right now is the Idols of the Heart: uh, Learning to Long for God Alone. Okay. And what is like the main focus of that book? Well, the main focus of the book is to help people see what it is that they love, serve, trust in, worship more than they love, serve, worship, trust in than God, oh. more than they um, worship God. And yeah. so, and we, and we can get to that by looking at the things in our lives that always cause us to stumble. So, what are the things that aggravate me? What are the things that I'm afraid of? What, what, what am I hoping to get? And when I don't get it, I act like a cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a child, you know, like a, a child. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's really a book, I think, to help people figure out uh, in some ways what it is that's in their heart that they're stumbling over most of the time. Jeez. You know, I think about that when I've been a, a parent now for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I and then we adopted three of our kids. So our ki- children that came home internationally, I've been their parent for six years. And I would say that for me personally, more than marriage even, parenting has like mm-hmm. spotlighted idols in my life. I yeah. mean blazing um, control, mm-hmm. um, comfort, mm-hmm. uh, power. I mean like I would have never said that I had this like comfort idol at all. 
and then children show up and then all of a sudden nothing is my own and nothing works, yeah. you know, and I'm out of control and I want power. Oh my gosh, I'm not a power person, but I want power over you. It is crazy what circumstances can highlight that I would say have always been in my sinful heart. Mm-hmm. And then they just are just, God's like, let me put a spotlight on this and show mm-hmm. you what's happening here. Yeah, difficult circumstances. I think I've heard Paul Tripp say difficult circumstances are like going down into the basement of your house and turning on the light. And then you see all the little Mm, bugs, you mm -hmm. know, uh, scurry away. Yeah. That's what difficult circumstances are like. They're like that light that comes on in the basement. So, you know, we can cruise along thinking we're really doing pretty well. And then we get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we see, oh, hey, that's, that's, what's in, yeah. that's what's in my heart. And then we have kids. And that makes it, you know, even more evident. Even more. And then I think that's struggle for women, too, as we start to then, I think you can do maybe, I mean, you can speak to this better than I can, but you could probably pick a couple different ways to deal with that. And one of the ways that's hard that I deal with it that I know is hard is then I start to think like, I, I really am really awful. Like, I I don't, I don't know how to deal with this other than thinking worse of myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's because, you know, all of us fall into despair. That's, that's that I'm thinking worse, worse of myself. Mm -hmm. I really can't do this. We all fall into despair when we think that there's some sort of a standard or law that we're not able to keep. Mm. So, you know, when you have a, when you have a problem with your children, you know, one of the first things you're going to want to do is go find some book that's going to give you the five handy steps. Right, yeah. Right? So then, but then, you know, you try to do them and nobody's consistent. Mm-hmm. And actually nothing we can do to change anybody's heart. So then we look for a new book or we try and try and try really hard and then just give up in despair. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And then, I mean, at least in my life, what I would do is I would say, well, I can't do this. Forget it. But I'd only be there for a little while. And then I'd say, well, I'm going to try harder. And what that means is I'm going to double down on my kids. Mm, Yes. Yes. And maybe I'm not like, you know, disciplining them enough, or I'm going to just right more rules. Right. Oh my right. gosh. You're like, right. you're like peeping into my house. <laughs> well, it's my, it's my house too. Yeah. <laughs> so how, this is so good. Cause I know that one thing that I love about you guys and your family is, um, y'all are such great teachers of the grace that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we translate that into our, since we're talking about parenting, mm-hmm. um, how do we translate that in, uh, into our parenting? And I'll use, I'll use a real life example. I have 78,000 things I could come up with of how I've screwed up in the past three days, but I'll pick one. Um, yesterday we were getting ready for church, which mm-hmm. I don't know if your house is always a, a nightmare. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. It's always yeah. a nightmare. Um, but my children were actually like, someone said, Hey, how's your morning? And I looked at them. And I'm like, you know what? No one has lost their mind this morning. And usually because their dad is a pastor and is at church way before we get there. It's like someone loses it on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lost, I lost it with my daughter over nothing, you know, and then I apologized, but I'll tell you what, at least I can't stop thinking about that. Right. And I don't think I, I apologized to her and I was like, I don't know why mommy just did that. And I'm so sorry. Um, but I keep thinking about it and thinking, I'm like, man, am I ever going to stop doing that? 
you know, am right. I ever going to stop losing my like temper and getting upset with her about something that she did that was just childish? She wasn't being disobedient. Um, and so how do you help moms understand that, that grace in that moment? Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things going on there. The first thing that, you know, you should think about is, all right, I, I acted in what we should call a sinful way, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you were sinfully angry or you had a mm-hmm. sinful outburst with mm-hmm. your child. So then you ask the child to forgive you mm-hmm. and then you ask the Lord to forgive you, mm-hmm. but then you still feel bad. Mm-hmm. The reason you feel bad is because you want to approve of yourself and you're not trusting in the righteousness Christ has given you. That he did forgive me and that I am righteous in righteous standing before him. Exactly. Mm -hmm. See, and then that has to be, and that's really the, that's the fight of faith, Jamie. Mm. See, faith has to say that what's most important about me is not whether or not I can approve of myself or what I think of myself. What I have to believe is that what's most important about me is what God thinks of me. Mm. And God has already said what he thinks of me, Mm -hmm. that I am loved and righteous because of the work that mm-hmm. Jesus has already done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's um, what we want to do, and I'm right with you. I mean, I could tell the exact same story, different, you know, players, mm-hmm. but same story. What I want to do is approve of myself. I want to be able to lay my head down at the end of the day and say, my, what a good girl am I. Right. Yeah. You know, I've never thought of it like this before until you said this, because I feel like I struggle with really, especially as someone who, um, like you guys, like, I feel like there's this little like, um, public, I I let people into my world. Right. And so there's this thing I'm always fighting of like, I want you to think I'm a really good mom, but I also Mm -hmm. want to be very honest and vulnerable about it as well. But I think I really want you to think I'm a good mom because I'm honest and vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like there's this constant tension, but I've never really thought about my approval of myself. Right. And, and, you know, when we talk about our approval of ourselves, then we get, we say certain things that really aren't biblical. Like I need to forgive myself. Well, you know, there's no place in the Bible that it tells you to forgive yourself. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sorry, I know that's a very popular way to talk about this, but Mm. the deal is not that I need to learn to forgive myself, but that I need to believe what God says about me is true. It's really a faith mm. issue. Mm-hmm. So if God says that I am his beloved and that I am completely forgiven and that my record is really the record mm-hmm. of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Which is truth. We we believe that. We know that in his word. Yes, exactly. Then I don't need to worry about forgiving myself. Mm. I need to just say I believe what God says about me. Golly, I think so many people are caught up right there with what you just said. I need to, I can't forgive myself for this. Well, yeah, because I don't know how to do that. Mm. I mean, honestly, how exactly how you, how do you do that apart from the righteousness of Christ? Mm-hmm. Because then you, if, if you are going to allow your inner slave driver to be the one who is going to be speaking to you nonstop about who you are and what your worth is mm-hmm. and how you're doing. You're never going to satisfy that voice. It's absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And, you know, I'm thinking about this right now and I'm like, okay, this is, this is a, 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 a hard task for us as moms because I'm trying to teach that to myself, like what you just said, like that's right? a struggle that I have. And now I'm discipling these children. 
mm-hmm. that I want to teach that to them as well. Right. And so now I'm like, okay, this is, it's, it's hard enough for me to keep reminding <laughs> myself to believe, but yet I want my kids to believe that as well. Right. So, and that, and that's where, and that's where you, you know, you partner with them mm-hmm. and you say, I understand why you fail and how you despair. You might not use that mm-hmm. word, yeah. but how you despair, because I do that too. And honey, the, the fight for me is the same thing as the fight for you mm-hmm. that you have to have, which is I have to force myself to believe that everything God says about me is true, no matter how I feel. Hey guys, before I get back to my conversation with Elise, I wanted to talk to you guys about my newsletter. If you haven't noticed, the happy hour has had a lot of great things going on recently. We have new happy hour swag. How many of you got a koozie or a journal for made designs? Go ahead and get yourself one. We have live events. And guys, I've been also all over the place on other podcasts that I want to share with you. So with all this stuff going on, I wanted to create a space to communicate with you a little bit more concisely than just episode to episode. And that's why I'm going to start sending out a happy hour newsletter. I really do want you guys to know when exciting new things are around the corner. So to sign up, it's easy. Just go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. Get yourself on the list and find out everything you need to know before people who aren't on the list. For instance, guys, we got a live event coming up in a few months, and everyone on the email list is going to find out when tickets go on sale first. So go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. Okay, back to the show. I just had an example last week. I was going to – this goes straight into this conversation as well as I got a a note home from a teacher, you know, which is always like, Yeah. So I've always like had a hard time of how to like handle these things, but it's a little bit more of an in-depth situation um, with one of my kids. There's a lot of layers. Okay. So I get this thing about one of my kids had lied and Mm -hmm. there were several um, things that have happened at school that were not okay. So the child said child comes home and we talk about them and, um, I told them that, you know, that we, we talked through the whole thing. I tried my very best to gospel them through it. Um, and so which is hard sometimes as well because I'm angry. Sure. I'm angry at their sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I come up to my office and I, I found this like three days later. My uh, This said child had drawn on my little whiteboard and it had said this. Love you, mom. Sorry for lying to you. I hope I can make it up to you. Ah. And I took a picture of it because mm-hmm. I saw it and I thought – she doesn't have to make it up to me. Like, right. like that was my immediate thought was like, oh, I just said who it was. <laughs> I was like, this child mm. does not have to make it up to me. And then I thought, A, did I make her feel like she needed to? And B, that's exactly how I feel all the time. Right. Not all the time, but I understand that feeling of like, God, I'm sorry I did this. I hope that tomorrow I can make it up. Right. And it's because, such a false, like, uh, gospel. It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's what the Reformation was all about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't, we don't do penance anymore. Mm. Yeah. Right? Because it's so already we, done. It's already done. That's why the, the good news about mm-hmm. Jesus saying it is finished mm-hmm. is actually really good news. Mm-hmm. So you've written parenting books as well, you and your daughter. And um, yep. I actually thought about you guys when I saw this little cute little written out misspelled word Mm. things that my daughter had gave me. Um, And I, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to go back and talk to her about that, about how she didn't have to make it up to me that I did forgive her. And then she doesn't Mm -hmm. have to make it up to God. Like we really did have that conversation. I think I would want to say as a parent in the midst of like trying to parent your children um, and point them to Jesus is that a lot of times I have to apologize 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's like a, a like this road that we're all on, all of us Ivies, you know, we're all yeah. moving towards, you know, heaven towards the end of this. We're all moving towards our final destination. And just my kids get to come along and see the, the ups and the downs and, and then they'll do the same for their kids and we'll carry on. But you wrote a whole book on gospel parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell me how has, where did that come from? Where did that book kind of birth out of? Because I think there'd be a lot of people um, that would feel that that would be something that could actually not a five step, like we said before, but something right. that could really like be a part of their parenting journey. Where did that birth come from? The birth, where did that book, mm-hmm. where is it birthed out of? where did it come from? Well, it came first of all, out of the reality of what I was learning in my life. So, um, I had just written a book called because he loves me and Jess and I and friends and family, we had been spending a lot of time talking about how the gospel should intersect with the life of the believer. I mean, we always talk about giving the gospel to unbelievers, Mm -hmm. but this was all about that. And so then, you know, she's got kids, Joel's got kids, you know, we're surrounded by, by people who are trying to figure out how to parent. And then we started asking the question, well, if it's true that the gospel should impact my life, then how does it impact my parenting? And I'll tell you what, Jamie, mm-hmm. it it did not come out of my parenting. Okay. So, I mean, I, I'm just really upfront about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I parented I did everything that I would tell people not to do. Hmm. And, you know, basically the good news about that is my children still talk to me. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, and the good news also is that you don't have to forgive yourself. Like it goes back to that whole conversation we just had. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, do do I know that I did not parent properly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do know that. But I've asked them to forgive me. Mm. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. And then that's all I can do. So then, so then, um, I, I needed to start thinking about, well, how would I have parented? Mm. And I mean, the way I parented Jamie was like, you know, we had a, we had a bean jar. Mm-hmm. And so every time the kids did something good, they would put beans in the jar. And if they did something bad, then the beans came out of the jar. Um, I've done this, Elise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, wait. Shall I, I change? Shall I change the analogy? <laughs> no, you can keep going because yeah. I know where this is going. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> and so then, and then if somebody was bad, then beans came out of the jar, and then their siblings would be angry with them, and that sort of worked for me too because I wanted to try to control behavior. Mm-hmm. And I never talked to my kids about what that the fact that if they had faith, they were already righteous, that they were already forgiven. I never talked to them about the gospel at all, except like maybe just to make sure that they a believe the gospel and then b to beat them over the head with a cross, kind of mm-hmm. like, well, if Jesus would die for you, mm-hmm. how could you do that? Mm-hmm. That kind of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was very, de- I was a very demanding parent. Uh, Phil, fortunately for my children was not so much because he grew up in a Christian home, but I did not grow up in a Christian home and I ended up living a really debauched lifestyle. And so I thought, well, my kids are not going to do that and I'm going to make sure that they mm-hmm. don't. I see. So it really came out of my own brokenness mm-hmm. because I had no idea how to answer the question, how does the gospel impact parenting? 
And then also it came out of the fact that Jess and I and some friends were doing a lot of reading of Martin Luther at the time, um, particularly his commentary on the book of Galatians. And it was really out of that reading that we got a lot of what you see now in the book that became Give Them Grace. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just think that there are some mamas that are listening that are like, I, because, because it's chaos at our, it's chaos. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. all we need to think about is how can we control this chaos? Right. Right. And for a short time, the bean jar works. Right. Exactly. And I don't, I'm not saying don't ever use a bean jar. I'm just saying that better not be the goal, mm-hmm. <laughs> the sum total mm-hmm. of your parenting. Yeah. I mean, there should be some times when you take the bean jar and you fill it to overflowing, particularly when they've just done something that you wish that they hadn't done. Mm-hmm. So then you take that and you fill it to overflowing and say, I'm going to teach you right now what grace is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, it's not that we don't give our children rules. Of course we do. Mm-hmm. But rules will not transform their heart. And that, Jamie, I think is the thing that I never understood. Mm-hmm. I thought if I gave them enough rules about being good, it would make them good. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like you said, outwardly it would help control the chaos. Mm-hmm. But inwardly, I'm not trans, their hearts aren't being transformed because the only thing that can really transform the heart is the gospel. Right. So, you know, Jessica tells the story about when Wesley, who is now her 17-year-old, was about five and Hayden was about three. And she came out of the bathroom one day and, you know, because they were crying and she heard the scream. And so she came running out and Wesley is sitting on top of Hayden beating the bejeebers mm-hmm, out of him. Mm-hmm. And she looks at Wesley and he's got a bite mark on his back. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so she picks up Wesley and she says, Wesley, you must love your brother. She didn't say it like that. Yeah. But, you know, uh-huh. Wesley, you have to love your brother. Well, yes, right, good. That's the law. That's the truth. That's what our kids need to know. But Wesley said, I can't. And I would have said, oh, yes, you can, and I'm going to make you. Mm. Jessica said, you're right, baby, run to the rescuer. Mm. See, and Jamie... That's the difference. Yeah. So it's not that we don't give our children the law. Of course we do. And we give them, we teach them, this is how you behave in, in mm-hmm. uh, society. Mm-hmm. These are this, this is what you, you do in, a, mm-hmm. in your family. Mm-hmm. This is how you act in church. But none of that's true righteousness. Right. The only thing that can make them righteous is faith in Christ. Mm. That is so good. And it's such an encouragement to us mamas who... I will say the chaos is different in my house now that my oldest is like 12 and 8. It's not like this little kid chaos that can just – it's just like how am I going to get through the day? Um, But it's so interesting now as my children get a little bit older and we are having more conversations that involve um, exactly what we've just been talking Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And – and it is exciting for me when we have those moments when we really, really get to point them to Jesus. and I'm going to I'm going to think I'm going to think about you that when I miss those moments I'm not going to beat myself up. Right, right. Because again, your children's salvation is not in my hands, <laughs> and it doesn't depend on you even giving That's him right. the gospel right. Yeah, which is the whole point of my testimony. I was never given the gospel, mm-hmm. and yet look at what God has done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I grew up in church and walked, you know, did whatever the heck I wanted. And finally, God chased me down and found me and saved me, you know, at an older age. Right. Um, I I love encouraging parents because I feel like they can um, sometimes swing really far and feel like if I just give them church and I give them all the answers and I give them all the churchy talk and then they walk down the aisle, you know, and get baptized and Mm -hmm. then we're in. Right, and then they feel as though their salvation, which I'm that very very well could be, obviously, but then they lack the conversations about Jesus and the good news and His righteousness, and then they just play church for years, right? You know, and then the kids grows up and thinks I never even knew about the good news. I just knew these rules, and if I did the right thing, then I was in. Well, right, and they think that you know the point of Christianity is be good, mm-hmm. so you can get goodies from God, right, and you can feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then their world crumbles, right, because we all have moments, yeah, when things don't go. Man, right. this is so good. It's so encouraging to me, and I I love all that you guys are doing. I am huge fans of mm. the uh, Fitzpatrick's and Thompsons and. All of you guys. So thank you so much. Um, okay. I want to ask you also, before I get to the regular, the questions at the end, um, what were you guys doing in the DR recently? Yeah. Oh, um, we went down to do a conference at, uh, Oasis church and, um, we had about mm, 3000 women who came to hear me talk about idols of the heart. And uh, I, idolos de corazon. Uh, good job, good job. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an interpreter, uh, quite obviously. Right, good. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really great. It's our second time going down there to that church. They do a great job putting on a conference and uh, had opportunity also to speak to uh, some pastor's wives down there, give them the gospel, and uh, we shot some video. But we were down there for about four days. Um, Santa Domingo is an amazing city, and the traffic in Santa Domingo is like the ninth wonder of the world. It's just amazing the way they, I mean, you know, stoplights are sort of mm, mild suggestions. Right, right. Right. So it was a stressful situation. Uh, But but I hear that the Dominican Republic is beautiful. It's it's so gorgeous. And uh, the people are immensely gracious Mm. and generous. So we had a, we had a really wonderful time. We, um, there, there were a couple of times when I was riding in the car, you know, my hands were sort of sweating or I just don't, (laughs) I I don't watch. Yeah. Uh You you gotta not watch because you got two lanes going one direction and two lanes going another direction and they actually make it into three or four lanes Uh and then people are driving on the sidewalk Uh and you know, just the only people stressed are the foreigners. Exactly. No one else is stressed. This is no. normal. No, this is normal. It's a regular Tuesday. Yeah, right. Exactly. <sighs> so, so that was that was amazing. Actually. That's great. That's great. Um, well, what are you? Are you a big reader? I am a big reader. I know you're a big writer, but yeah, well, they sort of have to go together. I know. I what are you reading uh, right now? Well, so fiction. I'm reading. I really like murder mystery sorts of things. Okay. Um, although you know, I I did read all the all the light we cannot see and books like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm reading right now is a book called Ordinary Grace, a novel, and that's actually not 
a Christian book. Okay. It's um it's written by William Kent Kruger. It's a New York Times bestseller and uh, he really he usually writes about this detective. He has like a whole detective series. Mm-hmm. But in this book he's writing from the vantage point of a 13-year-old boy who in their little and and he's the son of a pastor mm-hmm. and in their little town they have experienced a number of deaths and um it's it's how the 13 year old sort of gets through these mysterious deaths and you know he captures i think in some ways what it's like to be a 13 year old and to want to know what's going on and be kept out of it and then to stick your nose in where it doesn't belong mm-hmm. and then but then he also talks about uh, you know a uh, different i don't i don't want to spoil it but there are a, a number of deaths that he that he walks through it's really great it's okay. ordinary Ordinary Grace. It sounds really good. I like books like that, that kind of take you through this journey and discovery and kind of mysterious as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It was really good. And then I just finished a nonfiction book called The Defense Never Rests by a man who's an attorney, and his name is Craig Parton. And that is a book really of a lawyer looking at evidence for the resurrection. Oh, yeah. Like the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and he talks about, you know, how in court we can find people guilty if you can, if the evidence gets there beyond a reasonable doubt. You don't have to have certainty. Uh-huh. You just have to have beyond a reasonable doubt. And he talks about the evidence for the resurrection and how in any court of law, that much evidence would produce the verdict that it's true. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really actually it was very very interesting. So is he a believer? He is a believer. Um but you know he's he's brought into his um into his law practice or rather into his um belief in the resurrection, all of the tools that he normally uses in his law practice. He's I see. in a uh-huh. really uh, well-known law practice in Southern California. Okay. And uh, so he brings it in. It's really, it's really amazing, actually. apologetics for you there. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of defense and stuff, did you guys happen to watch the um, yes. OJ? Yes. Did you yeah. like? Yeah, I loved it. I, w- I was a little behind. These days, you put me on the couch past 10, like a glass of wine. I fall asleep mm. in 10 minutes. Um, but I just finished the very last episode yesterday. Yeah, did it blow your mind? I mean, they. it's so funny. We all knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know everything. Yeah. But it was. I thought it was so well done, and the last episode was so good. Yeah. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? It was so good. I think they did a really good job sort of fleshing out what was going on. And I mean, I'm living in Southern California while all that's going on. And it was, it was amazing. And then just to watch the way people played their roles, I thought it was so good. I thought they did a great job too. Um, okay, what are three things that you're loving these days? <laughs> okay, so one of them is um, I love my sheets. 
Ooh, I'm going to need to know about this because my husband loves good sheets. (laughs) Okay, I love good sheets. And so we actually, Jess and I, were speaking up in Montana and we stayed at a B&B in Missoula, Montana. And everybody kept saying, oh, wait till you you go to bed, the sheets, the sheets. And I'm thinking, whatever, you know. Right, right. Okay, these sheets, it's it's. They're made by the Comfy Company, C-O-M-P-H-Y, the Comfy okay. Comfy uh-huh. Company. I spent one night on these sheets and I immediately bought them. Are you serious? Are they oh, expensive? Because you know. No. I, I mean, I because I, I know that sheets can be really, really expensive. I didn't think that they were that bad because, I mean, I was expecting them to be really bad. But they right. weren't. Um, they, they're the best sheets I've ever slept on in my life. They are smooth and w- warm when they need to be and I, I mean they're great okay i love, I love good sheets, sheets too <laughs> okay what else okay go ahead so and so then the next thing that i really love is being an empty nester <laughs> yeah Sorry. which means that i get to hang out and in, in my sheets <laughs> like, <laughs> like whatever you all, want all morning hello yeah so you know i get my laptop and my books and my whatever and i just sit in my bed for until i get sick of being there but i mean you know that's one of the things you get to look forward to is so how long have you been an empty nester well uh you know the kids sort of come and go right, i mean for sure Joel Joel lived with us uh, while he was in seminary for about a year and a half. But generally, I uh, I mean, Joel is my youngest, and he's thirty eight. Okay. So it's and he lived with us while he was in college. So maybe maybe fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. Um, digging digging it. I bet. Aaron and I always say, as soon as you guys are gone, like we're living uh, it up. Yeah. Not only that, but you need to move into a condo Mm, less responsibility well yeah and then they can't move back in (laughs) that's right (laughs) right (laughs) no place here guys all right we'd love to have you but you know i don't have any room well you know phil and i live in a five-bedroom house right now so i can't i can't say that but uh, um uh, yeah i mean at first the whole emptiness thing was pretty rough Cause I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do with myself? But then, you know, you fill up your time and For you're sure. fine. Yep. Yep. And plus all my kids live around me. So I'm, you know, do you record can... your podcast at your house? No, generally not. Okay. Uh, generally rec- we record down at Joel's house. Okay. Uh, yeah. So okay, that's sheets. Yeah. You love being an empty nester, sleeping in your sheets till noon. And then what's your third thing? Yeah. Going and watching my grandkids play sports. Oh, you have six? I have six grandkids. Wesley and Hayden, who are Jessica's boys, play both. They play football, and plus Hayden plays lacrosse, which actually I love watching lacrosse I've better than I've ever seen a lacrosse game. Oh, oh, my goodness. It is so much fun. You know, the deal is you got a bunch of guys running around on the field whacking each other with sticks. <laughs> it's like their I mean, dream come true. 
Yeah. My kids do that every day. Maybe they're playing the cross. Right. Yeah. I said, Hayden, do you like this? He goes, are you kidding? I get to hit people with a stick. That's the best. (laughs) And my parents cheer. Exactly. Keep doing it. Hit harder. (laughs) Hit harder. So, yeah, you know, I watch them. My husband, Phil, coaches Jessica's daughter, Allie, in softball. So we go watch that. We watch Joel's son, uh, Colin play baseball. Our son James is his son. Gabe plays um, plays lacrosse, or rather, yeah, plays lacrosse. So, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm happy with all that. That's so fun. Yeah, and I it, love that y'all all live close. Oh yeah, because you know it's like I don't know if you've ever watched Star Trek. You know, like the Star I Trek. I haven't. Just so like Star Trek: The Next Generation. So there's this there's this alien life form called the Borg. Okay. And they just assimilate all life forms around them. So we're like the Borg. We oh, we you just we take have. Over? Yeah, we just we just assimilate everybody who comes into our family, <laughs> and and resistance is futile. That's hilarious. So, that's what we do. I love it so much. At least it's been so fun to chat with you. Thank you. It's been I'm great. so glad I met you through your daughter, and I'm going to link to your show, to y'all's show, to everything we talked about because I think people need to be listening to y'all because they will crack up and then they will be encouraged to love Jesus more. So that's a win and a win. Thank you, Jamie. Wasn't that a fabulous chat with Elise? She has so much wisdom on so many facets of faith and grace, and I love being able to listen to her and talk through so many things that I'm still trying to figure out. Hello, aren't we all? Hey, guys, before we go, I want to tell you about my friends, the Austin Stone Story Team. Story Team is a community of artists who tell honest and encouraging stories of lives that have been transformed by the gospel, leading you to worship Jesus for who he is and remember what he has done. They just launched a new project called the Story Team Weekly Podcast, where you can listen to a new audio story of a gospel transformation every single week. I was honored to work with some of the Story Team narrators to record a few stories that are going to be featured in episodes on their podcast, and I've personally been impacted by these stories and know that you will too. So go over and subscribe to the Story Team Weekly Podcast and rate them on iTunes. You can find it at storyteam.org slash weekly. All right, guys, remember everything we chatted about will be up on my website, jamieivy.com. And I would really love to hear from you. Find me over on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and share with me something you'd love from this episode. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy and the music is from Jason Poe. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour. And I would love to tell you who my guest is next week, but I just haven't decided. I have a couple of great interviews and I just don't know who it's going to be. So you're going to have to wait and find out. It's either going to be Meg or Lauren. I'll tell you that much. Who will it be? Meg or Lauren? Guys, enjoy your week. Thanks for listening to the happy hour. You guys truly are so wonderful to keep listening, and I'll see you back next week. Mm-hmm.